Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 430. My name is Eric Nilsson, and with me, my co-host, John White. Today is April 18, 2018. John, how's it going? Doing really well. Color the Bay Report, as uh, always demanded, it was sea green today. As sea I crossed green. The, as I crossed the bridge, yes, yeah, sea green, sea which green. Is, is not a color you expect from water, actually. Is that now yeah, I, I, it must be. It, maybe it's all the sunshine. We've we've transitioned into November weather, right? Where it's like f- sunny but cold. Yeah, right? I yeah. don't understand. It, uh, uh, Forty-one yeah. degrees last night. I just think the whole winter season has shifted for California. I think the planet's tilted differently. I don't know, but it's been it's been chilly but <laughs> yeah. sunny. Chilly, it's chilly but sunny. A little bit, a little bit of rain, but it's supposed to start getting warm. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear all the people on the East Coast are still digging out of snow, icing their driveways. So I guess we can't complain too yeah, much. Yeah, I, I, we don't have to do that. So right. I'm, exactly. I'm grateful. On the show today, we have V Realize Operations 6.7 and self-driving automation with Taruna and Chima. Uh, we'll we'll get to them in a minute. Uh, Chima, uh, I'm not going to even try and Njaka. Njaka, right there we go. Chima Njaka, Group Product Line Manager for CMBU, and Taruna Gandhi, uh, Director of Product and Technical Marketing Ops Management. So we have them on the show today. We'll get to them. It's a, it's been a big week, right? There has been some good announcements going on. Absolutely. Beyonce headlined uh, Coachella. Is that uh, what you're talking about? Yeah, that, that's that's it. It's all about Coachella. <laughs> right. We, nothing yeah. else going on here. The, this, so, the earth moved, I heard, without right. performances. Right. So big week this week. Uh, first, uh, the VMware 20th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Pat Gelsinger did a did a show here on the campus, and I don't think they live streamed it, but uh, has been some stuff out on social around talking yeah. about uh, the 20 years at VMware. It was so interesting. Every single VMware CEO was on campus on stage. It was it was terrific. The founders were there. It was uh, really inspiring to see all those people come back. It it, it has been, and uh, and that's good. So you know, always always good to be here 20 years. I'm hoping yeah. for another. 10 or 15 years and I can I can coast into retirement. But. <laughs> that's what we're all looking for, just just coasting. Just coasting. That's, yeah, that's, that's all the, I do. The just new coast. VMware yeah. uh, glide path. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, not really. Chief not marketing really. officer is going to come out on This year has been harder than any other year. <laughs> right? uh, other thing in the news before we get to the big one is that Katie, Ch- uh, Katie uh, Bradley, yeah. our community manager, has decided to resign and went back to the East Coast. So big shout out to, and thank you for Katie, Katie Bradley for doing all the work she did for the last two years. Yeah. Uh, so we're all a little bit heartbroken on that, but she wanted to go back and move closer to her family, and who can blame her for that? Can't blame anybody. Can't blame anybody for that. Yeah. She's still around. She says she's going to come in and join a podcast in a month or two and just tell us how the transition back to the East Coast is going for her. Okay, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm wishing her the best. She just needs a tech marketing uh, yeah. career, and then she yeah. can come back as a guest. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're, you're always part of the family once, once you've been here. Uh, and uh, so thanks to Katie for that. And then we will be hiring a, a new community manager, so we're excited about that. A couple of people have reached out for that opportunity, so we'll, 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 we'll go over there. And then finally in the news, uh, vSphere 6.7. Really? I hadn't, hadn't heard about that. I haven't it, heard a thing really? about that. Mm, yeah, exactly. Okay. And today on the podcast, obviously, we're going to talk about some of the, the great things, all the all the numbers, vSAN 6.7, vRealize Operation 6.7, vSphere, you know, the all 6.7s are out, great new features. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, you know, Eric, the thing that I noticed was it was announced and GA'd right away. Right. Which is quite different from what I've seen in the past. We, we never do that. So, yeah. yeah. And Same day. Yeah, yeah, and and interesting. It's 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 in the timeline of when we normally do our big product announcements. It's in the second month of our, our of our quarter, or maybe just you know the tail end of Q Q one. Right. It's just that we're offset by a month now. So uh, because our our quarter start in February now, mm-hmm. uh, this is still a Q one announcement. But yeah, GA as well, which yeah. is which is good. So lots of lots of opportunities, lots of neat features, and obviously today we're going to talk about V Realize operations and some of the neat features that are there. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> anybody else have anything in the news? We'll look at chat for a minute here, see if anybody uh, wants, wants to talk. Forum is oh, running yeah, right I had now. That. That's right. I had, had that on my news list, and I just skipped right over it. So, so v, v forums is going on. Yeah, interesting that they it was scheduled one day after <laughs> all the big announcements. All the so big announcements. I don't they, know if they went and changed all the uh, all the sessions. Material. I'm sure they had the material. Yeah, ready, sure locked and loaded. Yeah, they do okay. that kind of stuff. In fact, if I looked at the 
uh, event calendar, you know, in this first uh, last month of the quarter right. and into May, it's really busy with uh, Dell. Uh, let's see, I guess Dell Technology World in Dell May. Technology right? World. We're sending Tommy yep. Berry there. So if you're going to be at that show, you can say hello to Tommy. Uh, he's going to be around doing social media with the V experts. So cool stuff. Very uh, cool. And yeah. of course, I think partner enablement is yeah. going on in Atlanta right now. So V Forms Online is going on all day. If you listen to this live or you see it on social, uh, you can go register for it. Um, I don't really have a good URL. I have a super long URL that's not worth reading out. So you'll just have to Google it and try to find VMware it. VMware V Forum. Yeah, there you go, VMware VForm. Go play there, get registered, go listen to it. I think it's also going to be a video. They're live streaming some of the stuff, so yes. you can go back and watch it later. So if you're watching, listen to this in your car or whatever, and you want to go see some of the some of the talks and some of the things we're talking about at VForms, you can go watch it, I think, post-event. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're in your car, do not, do not watch it while you're in your car. Do not watch it. Just listen to yeah. it. Just listen to us. There you go. And we are live streaming on Facebook, facebook.com slash VM10 community. Say hi to everybody uh, out there in the live streaming world. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, we'll go in and check and answer your questions there in a little bit once we once we get rolling. And thanks to Julia Klaus for doing the live stream as always. And we will miss Katie Bradley. All right. Moving on to the guests so that we can get to some real content here. Uh, V-Realize Operation 6.7, uh, self-driving automation. Um, Let's meet our guests first. So I'll, I'll just say let's take each one of you and and talk a little bit. Just tell us how long have you been at VMware? What did you do before you came to VMware? What, what do you focus on while you're at VMware? So we'll start with Chima. First, Chima, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I've been at VMware for uh, four years as a product manager, uh, product manager in the VRealize uh, ops group um, with a focus on uh, V-Realize operations, analytics, uh, automated remediation, capacity management. Um, you know, so that ties into uh, a lot of the big items that we addressed here in this latest release of V-Realize Ops. Um, before that, I was um, in a number of uh, startups, um, including a, a startup uh, involved in log management. I've been there for quite a number of years. So, but my career goes back into um, security uh, uh, technology, security management. Um, uh, log analytics way back when, even into uh, aerospace. Oh, nice. wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you on Twitter? I am. All right. Do a shout out for your Twitter handle? Uh, at uh, CN Dream. Okay. There you go. <laughs> C-N-D-R-E-E-M. Great. Yeah. Spell it one more time. C-N, Charlie, Nancy, Drew, uh, R. <laughs> Romeo. Romeo. Romeo, thank you. Edward, Edward, Maria. I don't know. There you go. So you can replay that if you want to. Go give him a follow. We love we love to get people following from our show. That's always good. Uh, and then moving on, Taruna Gandhi. Taruna, Director of Product and Technical Marketing Ops Management. How are you doing? Very good. Very Thanks. good. Good. Have you been on the show before? I believe you have. Uh, no, this is actually my first time doing this. So oh, very oh, exciting. Okay. I just must work with you enough that I see you enough so that I you're know. familiar and I go, oh, you must have been on the show. <laughs> uh, good. So tell us a little bit of how long you've been at VMware and what did you do before you got here? What's your career look like? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me on the show. The reason you know me so well is I've actually been at VMware for eight years now, believe Ooh, it or not. Seriously, right. just had yeah, a birthday. Right, yes. Congrats. Just, uh, yeah, two weeks ago, celebrated my eighth anniversary at VMware. Yeah. So um, the last four years, I've been working in the cloud management space, uh, working on VRealize operations and um, basically focusing on um, VRealize operations and helping our customers automate their data center operations, um, make the most of our SDDC technologies. And uh, before VMware, uh, I spent a number of years in uh, some of the familiar companies in the Valley, Sun Microsystems, Red Hat, a bunch of startups before that, and if I go way, way back, I actually started as a developer. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Yes, yeah, that's probably where you were at Sun. I was at Sun. Uh, I was in development for a lot of years, right? And uh, mm -hmm. and I started at IBM back in '86, '87. So maybe I've seen you at Sun as well along the, <laughs> along the journey. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. I think so. Yeah, yeah. that that continues our 50/50 theme, either Sun or IBM. Right. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be that way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I got to say, I moved to a Dell laptop now. So as long as we're talking about careers, I've I've mm -hmm. given up on Apple. Uh, uh -oh. back on, I'm on, on Dell. 
Yeah. No, say it ain't so. Yeah, it is so. It is so. I can't get used to that little chiclet keyboard they have on the new the new Mac. So I'm just, just, just back on a Dell. I got to say, I'm impressed with Dell. So I think there's Dell and EMC people that have also come through the loop. So we yeah. have IBM, we have Exxon, we have uh, Dell, HP. we have EMC, a lot of EMC people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And HP. Been on yeah. the show. And HP, some of the HP guys, Calvin Zito and some of the other guys. So uh, a lot of, lot of, but a lot of industry standards. So uh, who wants to tell us um, vRealize Ops 6.7? Who wants to talk a little bit about that? And we can talk a little bit about what does it mean when you guys are talking about self-driving automation? Uh, so who should I address the first question to? Well, uh, what's uh, product marketing? Kind of just uh, we can talk about the the key big items there and sure. uh, get into what self driving what we mean by self driving yeah. operations. So maybe so we start enough. high level. Hey, V realize can... Ops six out seven. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. out. Are you guys excited? Oh yeah, yeah very. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Excited, yeah. excited internally for our customers uh, as well. Lots of big stuff that's uh, that's in there. Okay, good, good. So I know there's a great blog article out there that I, I look through on uh, blogs.vmware.com. They uh, have an article about 6.7 to be realized operations and some of the stuff that we'll talk about today. So uh, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, you know what? First of all, let's talk a little bit about the self-driving theme, right? So right. why why self-driving, right? So and this is what we are hearing from our customers: is they are looking for more and more automation as they're adopting uh, private cloud or even thinking of moving their workloads to a public cloud. Right. They're looking for a ways, like you know, if you're going to a hybrid world. How do I manage my capacity and use my resources as effectively as possible across all of this environment, right? And they're getting to the point where humans just cannot scale. Like their data centers are just getting so large and so complex that they're looking for this automated way of making sure that they manage their performance and they manage their capacity. So therefore, this idea of self-driving operations, you know what? Sit back, um, let your data center drive hands off and hassle free. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can see that some of the some of the numbers on the number of V centers that are that are running out there, and then the number of VMs that are under each V, v center control. It's just really large, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. if you're if you haven't automated, then you're you're not going anywhere. Yeah. So I I can see that. Um, and so there's a lot of components to being able to say self-driving, right? There's analytics that you have to worry about. There's performance you have to worry about. There's management of the uh, the vCenter uh, servers, you know, vCenter uh, systems themselves. Uh, so what do, what do we want to tackle first? Well, I mean, if you if you think of the idea of self-driven and you take that analogy to the to the car, you know, part of that is you know telling the car what you want it to do, um, and and on our side, that's uh, we talk about setting up the business intent. What uh, kind of uh, SLAs do you want to have in place? What kind of optimization? What kind of uh, utilization of resources do you want to have in place? Do you want to balance resources evenly across your environment or maybe do consolidation? Um, those sorts of things. So there's a setup. Then there's the, you know, let it, let it automate. And then there's this notion of if I do get into trouble, how can I put my hands back on the wheel and take over control quickly and uh, and do those things? So um, we can maybe differentiate that up into those those three components. One is setting up the business intent in the self-driven operations uh, analogy. What does that mean for us? That means things like being able to set the um, the uh, number of resources that you want to use across the workloads that that may be in place. Uh, perhaps setting up some uh, some headroom to um, remediate uh, risk events or spikiness in utilization of resources going forward, um, um, uh, uh, various other uh, settings as well. Yeah, so, you know, self-driving, think about it. You get in your car, you put it in a drive mode, right? You select comfort or eco or sport plus or whatever, right? And the engine knows what it needs to know. It adjusts the exhaust, it adjusts the timing, it adjusts the fuel mixture, right? Even adjusts the suspension based on the mode that you pick. So it's pretty much the same idea. So intent is like setting up your drive mode. That's yeah. really interesting analogy. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And so to get to that notion of being able to <clears throat> to map the intent, one of the things that we did in this version of the product is we changed the, uh, again, if we take the auto analogy, we changed the engine, um, the capacity uh, engine in this particular uh, version of the release from what we'd used previously 
to a new methodology that we use. The prior methodology used what was previously a past 30 days sort of peak analysis type uh, approach. This new engine uh, to get to this uh, self-driven type automation uh, uh, framework uses a much more forward-looking approach. We take the past information, project that into the future using uh, statistical uh, analytics, and then use that uh, knowledge or projection into the future plus confidence bands to assess, okay, this is where we think we we are tracking. Do I need to make any adjustments to uh, get to that, that new thing as part of this self-driven uh, automation type thing? Here's where I expect um, my requirements are. Here's where the business intent is, what changes need to be made to infrastructure to achieve to that make, intent. Exactly. Yeah. Got so, it. So think, think about it this way, right? I mean, you can come in and do interesting things with your intent. So, for example, I can come in and I can say, you know, these are my Oracle workloads and you can pack them into as few clusters as you like so that I save on my licensing cost, but at the same time recognize that this is my business critical application, so leave me enough headroom, right? right. That's, that's a very important use case. Compliance could be another use case. You can come in and say, you know what, densify my clusters, I want to save my money, but these are my PCI compliant workloads and make sure they stay on the PCI compliance cluster. So this is the kind of thing that customers can do. They can define this intent, and then what we realize operations does is it's constantly getting metrics from the underlying infrastructure and applications, and it's analyzing them and comparing them against the intent. So anytime that intent is not met, what it does, it, it triggers automated um, performance management. Now that could be in the form of balancing workloads so as to relieve the contention, or it could even be like right-sizing uh, virtual machines, right? Like if, you, if you're experiencing a problem because your VM is just too small, it can kind of detect all of this. But the idea is that you get this closed loop optimization where uh, as a customer, as a user, all you have to do is come in, define your intent, and then let we realize operations, analyze and automate the actions. Sure, that yeah. makes makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I can see I can see where I, w I would want to get community platforms in here and then define my intent to be like right. uh, much higher than what IT <laughs> what they think our intent should be. Yeah, so, just yeah. Say, yeah, define your intent and let magic right. happen. Right. Yeah. So if I take a step back and I say, what is the motivation to to do all this automation? Like I can think that. You know, most of my customers, IT departments are under cost pressures yeah, all the time, always. right? All the time. Almost always IT departments are looked upon as a cost center and not as, you know, uh, participating in, you know, delivering product, product yeah. right? So, you know, always, you know, IT departments are being asked to do more with less mm -hmm. or more with the same, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is a way to do force magnification of IT departments right. without actually investing in additional headcount. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. IT shops, as you mentioned, they're they're very busy doing their day jobs, uh, troubleshooting this, that, and the other thing. Uh, if we can automate as much of that for them as possible, uh, all the better. Right. So even if we're doing like automating the eighty percent and letting the specialist team, IT team there, do kind of like the handcrafted, super specialized twenty percent mm -hmm. that really needs to be done by hand, inspected by human eyes. Um, then that's almost a win right there. Just, sure. you know, that 80-20, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I mean, think about it, right? I mean, think, think of a funnel, right? Problems come in. What you want to happen is that most of the issues get solved by automation, right? So as a problem comes in, the first layer of automated workload balancing kicks in. Then automated capacity management kicks in. And at the end of the funnel where you had like a lot of problems coming in, now you have a trickle that requires any hands-on or manual uh, troubleshooting. Put your hand right. back on the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Analogy makes sense. So, so there is intent, but uh, you also have intelligent capacity analytics that are running in the platform that you've done some upgrade to. So, not only can I define my intent, but then the platform will take a look at you know what the what the what the operations has been, try to figure out what capacity you know you need for the given the historic mm -hmm. uh, right. record yeah. keeping. Yeah. You're right. Looking at uh, historic demand and using that historic demand to forecast what the uh, projected uh, utilization is going to be going forward and using that information to understand what will fit and if I'm not going to if I'm going to have a contingent situation where that's going to happen and then make some recommendations based uh, based on that information 
So. Yeah, so so a few things form the underpinnings of the self-driving operations, right? First of all, we talked uh, we've talked some about the intent. So that's that's the customer coming in and defining, yeah, defining what's the performance rules, goal right, for yeah. this workload. The second one that Chima was talking about was the new capacity analytics engine, which is in real time analyzing the performance and capacity and looking at contention and making recommendations on either moving workloads or uh, or right sizing or reclaiming. Uh, the third part of this is automated workload balancing based on these recommendations. And then also automated workload balancing, we realize operations does it across clusters, but it also uses predictive DRS, which is a technology we introduced um, a couple of releases back. So these four sort of form the underpinnings of this um, uh, continuous uh, optimization and continuous performance management. So you're you're telling me the capacity planning is more complex than just taking three points and drawing a line? It's, it's, it's harder than that? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah. You might have to break out the compass and draw a circle or two. Okay. Well, okay. well you said confidence bands. That's one of the things that really Yeah, so it's, it's statistical. So, well, it's, it's a number of things. It's a real-time statistical forecast model. Real-time in the sense that uh, previously we would do a batch analysis that would look at you know, it would go back and, and do an update maybe every day um, and do another update every week and then maybe another update every 30 days and that sort of thing. This new model is, when I say real-time, every read that we get from the adapters inside VROPS is an update in this capacity model. The capacity model as such in real-time adjusts itself and adjusts its predictions based on the new data that it gets uh, in, in real-time. So very quickly now, you see that uh, our time to value or our customer time to value when looking at uh, and assessing the data that they're getting in um, is much more timely. Second, when I say statistical, it means that the underlying algorithms that we're using are statistical in nature. And as such, when we project a, confidence, uh, project a forecast into the future, it comes with a confidence band. Mm-hmm. So we can say within... Uh, 95% confidence, we believe that the signal going into the future will look like this. The anal- uh, an- uh, analytics that we're using capture things like periodicity, you know, what's the thing been doing over the last hours or days or, or weeks, and so we can capture if we see a mm-hmm. pattern there. We can capture things like trends. Is it trending up or down or um, staying uh, somewhat even? We can capture, you know, peaks and, and edges and those sorts of things and take all of those characteristics into this forward forecast with this confidence band and then use that confidence band inside our analytics for some of the capacity metrics that we are calculating, things like time remaining and capacity remaining and uh, and right sizing. So all those come into play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, one of the other things, because this is a forward-looking engine, right, because it's projecting into the future. So when we realize operations team makes a decision to balance workloads, right, it's not only doing it based on the current contention that it's looking, it's also looking two hours ahead mm. and saying, hmm, if I move this workload, am I safe for two hours? So it's not only just like relieving current uh, contention, it's also making sure that your future contention is taking, uh, taken care of. That's very interesting because, you know, there's some moves that don't make sense right. if you're right. going to just move it back move in five yeah. minutes. I mean, yeah, right. you, you don't yeah. want to ping pong the VM around like needlessly, right? So right. Right. you want to make the right decision up front. And this is also analogous to the predictive DRS that we did uh, in the past, you know, using this information to predict where the demand is going to be so DRS can then act on this additional information versus just the last five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the other thing people ask me is uh, how long do I need to let this capacity analytics engine run before I get meaningful insights from it, right? So so uh, it runs every five minutes and it crunches through all the data in real time. So, And it needs about 100 points to project what's going to happen in the future. So in about eight hours, the pump is primed and it's ready to roll. So really fast time to value. So I'll just say with that, with that it will use whatever information it has and the confidence band is, is there. So yeah, with, fewer data, yeah, yeah. with fewer data points, the confidence band is really wide. Absolutely. With you can't... more data points, it, it starts to narrow. Yeah, and, and, I, and it I see just gets better. from your blog, uh, you know, the line is, in fact, customers upgrading previous versions of 6.x will be able to harvest three months of history to make the analytics and oh, forecasting. Yeah, yeah, so yeah that, that is like priming import. the pump. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. priming that's the pump. Really three priming months of yeah. prior data. Yeah. I was going to say you can't capture like 30-day periodicity 
with eight hours of data, right? <laughs> right that that yeah. doesn't make any sense. But if you're importing all of your past uh, VRealize yeah. operations data, then yeah, wow, yeah. Well, the yeah. forecast is as good as the uh, as the history. Got it. Yeah, right. that makes a lot of yeah. sense. The the other thing is uh, we've integrated costing into this new capacity analytics engine, right? So that's what our customers were telling us. If I can't measure it, I can't optimize it. So show me how this how much this thing is costing me. Show me what the savings opportunities are. Quantify it in dollars and cents. So that's the other cool thing we've done in uh, we realize Operation 6.7 is to integrate costing with all of the capacity metrics. Yeah. So one of the things there, so for example, we, we talked about using the capacity analytics to um, assess how you're doing against your intent. Now, one of the recommendations that can come, so we will maybe move things around to optimize the capacity utilization, but at some point, it may look like you are going to run out of capacity in a particular location. So we could make a recommendation. Hey, in this location, it looks like you'll need to add a num maybe an additional host or so, or you know this amount of new capacity. That's one option. Another option is, hey, it looks like you have an opportunity to, to reclaim some capacity that you are already using, maybe not as efficiently as you should be. So here are some uh, idle VMs, or here are some uh, old snapshots, or you know, uh, powered off VMs, or, or so forth. Um, instead of you going out, going out and buying new capacity, why not just reclaim and repurpose some existing capacity that you have? And and by the way, when you do that uh, with the cost information, you will potentially be uh, saving this amount per month. Got so it. We can show that mm -hmm. in the product. So yeah. so then when somebody says no, they're saying no to a dollar. Right. Yes, they're saying exactly. They're saying no. I need to spend eight dollars a day uh, to keep this around. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. because of that, you know, if enough people say no, I need to spend eight dollars a day. No, I need to spend thirty dollars a day. No, I need to spend fifteen dollars a day. Then that that adds up to the cost of a new server, mm -hmm. right? Over the course mm -hmm. of you know three hundred sixty-five days. Sure. So sure. yeah. So you have your business justification right there. And the IT department is saying that no, it's not us that that needs to buy it these business owners need the, this capacity around and they've replied and said they need it. Therefore, you know, IT needs to pass through the cost of that in the form of additional infrastructure. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the, and that that's the problem our customer is telling us, right? We go to our business units or our lines of business and we say, you know what, we want to reclaim 50 VMs. People are rolling their eyes. No, it's my VM. I'm not giving it back. But you go there and you show them, this is the money you're wasting. Are you willing to do that? Like, Entirely different conversation. We, we can say spending. Yeah. <laughs> the money you're spending. Yeah. Spending, yes. <laughs> yeah, waste, waste is not a good word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, because, you know, it, it might be a VM that has, you know, you know, really valuable IP on it, and it makes sense to have it, you know, available at the, the, the touch of a, a mouse, yeah, right? Sure. And, yeah, uh, sure. And yeah. the value mm -hmm. of having that versus coming from cold storage can be you know, a $40,000 difference to the business. Okay, well then <laughs> buying an additional $5,000 server yeah. to support that yeah. makes yeah. a lot of sense, yeah. right? Right. Um, but, you know. Now we have this information in a standalone product called VRealize Business, which is part of the VRealize Ops uh, set of, of products. But uh, as Tara mentioned, we've now brought some of that cost insight directly into VROps itself without requiring a separate uh, the separate standalone VRealize business product. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's totally built in. The costing engine is built in. So what would that look like to a new user of VRealize operations, or sorry, a user of VRealize operations that is not a user of VRealize business? How do they set up uh, the they, cost of they the set, So it comes they with the need, cost basis. Yeah comes with the cost basis built into VROps. They don't need VRealize uh, business. Okay. Uh, now, having said that, though, VRealize business still has its use cases, mm -hmm. still has the reports and so forth that differentiate it from what's currently available in VRealize Ops. But a large set of the, the use cases are now built into VROps, plus the information that we can now give you with regard to reclaimable capacity and, and all those other things, plus where we want to go going forward in our optimization uh, analytics for optimizing directly towards uh, towards costs and, and those things. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm not asking my question correctly or clearly. How does VRealize Operations know how know how much my infrastructure costs? We have a built-in model, the built-in cost basis that is available out of the box that we have uh, generated from our VRealize business and um, previously. Mm -hmm. So, but the user can come in and uh, edit that. Uh, edit the cost basis, tell us 
how much your host costs in your environment, what are your licensing costs particular to your business, all those types of things. The user can customize uh, from what is otherwise an out-of-the-box uh, Got it. Setup. So my, my servers cost approximately $10,000. My storage costs approximately X per terabyte. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it this way, John, right? Uh, these businesses might have their special discounts. They might have their special rate cards, right? So we don't, uh, we give you something that's based on industry standards, uh, but they have the ability to go in there and modify based on their own settings. Now, is this based on like a, like a server model, like a, a manufacturer and server model, or is it like a generic server? Like if I say I'm running on Dell, so uh, we, we have models for specific vendors, okay. so, uh, Dell, Cisco, et cetera. Um, uh, but again, the user can come in and, and set up their own custom uh, environment as well. And modify it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, hey. we do have a chat question. Uh, can the cost and analysis cope with multi-currency? No. So basically, you have to set your currency up front, yeah. right? What okay, it cannot do is convert yeah. from dollars to euros to yen, right? Yeah, that yeah, you can't do. So if you come right. in, you okay. set up your currency. Once you set it, that's that's good to go. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing to uh, to keep in mind is, you know, if you're on a private cloud, uh, it has most of the costing data that you need for private cloud. But if you're going into multiple public clouds and you want to do like consumption analysis on a public cloud. That's where we realize business for cloud comes in. But if you're on a private cloud, uh, most of the info you get, uh, you need for that costing decision, it, it's available to you. Got it. Yeah. Got it. As long as we're on the chat, we'll, we'll break away. This is go, goes way back to the intro, but I, I, I'd like to try to get the questions that people sure. are asking sure. in chat, so I'll hit this one. Is VROPS 6.7 included in vSphere Enterprise Plus licensing now? Yeah. He says, I see it in my 6.7 slash 6.5 downloads, but not in 6.0, and, and it wasn't in my 6.5 before, I'm sure. So. Um, Sometimes people have a package called uh, vSphere with operations management, and it comes bundled in with, you know, you, so you'll have vSphere Enterprise Plus and then vRealize Operations Standard. So uh, if you have a bundle like that, you might see it in your portal that way. I just I'm not a licensing expert. Yeah, I just right. happen to know that one. Yeah, so if you have vSphere, yeah, vSphere with operations management, or if you have vCloud Suite, then vSphere is bundled into these um, management products. Right. Okay. Good. All right. That was it for chat. There's a couple of positive things there, but we we don't try to let our guests know about those. We're all about the gaslighting. Feel easy, and we yeah. want them to feel nervous. Ooh, right. Overall right. negative yeah, trend in chat. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. right. There yeah. you go. Um, so performance, right? Scalability. I always like to talk a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. Six out seven. It's almost like now I'm going to just use vROPS to run. Um, on my vCenters, right? So, I so think it's interesting. Yeah, we've, um, again, as part of changing out the engine, we've also been able to uh, do a little bit of um, um, tightening the belt as well. Uh, a lot of the old metrics that were part of the, the old engine are no longer uh, needed. And as such, uh, that and a number of other things, we've been able to bring down the footprint actually by 30%. So wow. the product, uh, uh, either with 30% less, can do the same as it's doing now or with the same size as you have today, you can perhaps gather 30% more mm -hmm. metrics and, and, and scalability. Is there a, is there a performance impact by doing all this real time analysis? That was one of the things that popped no, up in my mind. No, um, it, uh, no, it, it, the, the, I don't know how to describe this, but you can imagine that, um, you know, previously, in the middle of the night when we were previously doing what we call dynamic threshold uh, calculations, that would take up and, and spike uh, things at, at a high level for some amount of time. Mm -hmm. Instead, with this thing that's happening continuously, instead of that spike happening for an extended amount of time, it's there's just a little bit of CPU overhead that's taken every five minutes, and that whole thing is spread out. Got spread it. throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So yeah. instead of concentrating that, that calculation time, you're spreading it out yeah. over yeah. the course of... And, and, you know, it's better to spread it out as well, right? Because that way you don't have any blind spots. Right. right? So, But it's, it's a really good question, right? I And this is one of the ones that has come up in a number of customer conversations. Like, hey, you did this whole intent thing. You changed out the capacity analytics engine. You introduced costing capabilities. 
and the platform itself has become more efficient. So definitely very exciting to see all of this engineering velocity from the product. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Team is, uh, the, our development team really uh, deserves a big shout out. They've been able to um, increase the velocity at which we've been able to add new uh, capabilities and enhancements to the product, even changing out things at the platform to enable things like this 30% reduction in, in footprint and all these other things. Just sure. uh, an amazing effort across a number of our development teams. One of, the, one of the things that Eric asked about was almost, uh, I think, maybe it was a, an afterthought or something, but in the announcement it said, you know, vRealize operations embedded into vSphere or vCenter. So you're seeing a lot of the, uh, the things um, instead of having to actually launch the vRealize Operations product, you can see a lot of the things in vCenter. Can you talk about that a little bit, like the how that's done? Like, is there some new magical technology that lets us do that? So, <laughs> yeah, magical. Magic, of course. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah wave the wand. Uh, there's a new plugin in uh, vSphere 6.7. There's a vRops uh, plugin that uh, you get, and you can click on that and you get uh, several uh, out-of-the-box um, uh, dashboards right there in, um, in uh, vSphere. Yeah, it's so cool. in, in vCenter. So vCenter. actually, yeah, there are uh, six dashboards that get surfaced up into our UI itself. And uh, customers can look at uh, vSphere overview. They can look at uh, vSAN overview. They can get cluster-level views of vSAN. They can look at all the vSphere and vSAN KPIs and alerts. So they're like simple dashboards that tell you, like, these are my top-end um, critical alerts in my system. It also looks at what your IOPS and latency rates are. So it's, um, And it gives you, like, some operational recommendations based on best practices. But what's really cool is, like, you know, you see a top critical alert inside vCenter. That's that's the one where a lot of people look at, especially the VI admins, they look at vCenter all the time. And this is their, um, they, they look at it and they only jump into vRobs when there's a critical issue. So if you see a top critical issue in vCenter, you can click on it and you can be taken in context into the full, full vRealize operations user interface on that alerts page. And from there on, you have multiple dashboards to do detailed troubleshooting. Yeah, oh, and that's available for launch. Yeah, so this has changed from vSOM. It's now referred to as something uh, something else. It's, it's the change. But uh, uh, customers of uh, vCenter 6.7 will have access to full VROps for, I think, it's 60 days. Yeah, so that that's a good point, Chima. Uh, so let's talk about that, right? So let's say you are a customer who currently does not own VROps. Mm -hmm. Right. And you go into vCenter and if you also own vSAN, like if you're a vSAN customer who does not currently own vRealize operations, you see this little widget inside your vCenter UI that says analytics by vROps and you click on it. And what happens is vROps will silently download and install in the background and it will start sending those metrics over to vCenter. Mm -hmm. And then as a vSAN customer, you get 60 days of free evaluation for full vROPS. After 60 days, the vROPS UI shuts down. You're still left with those six dashboards, mm -hmm. but, um, but you get the taste of what the full uh, analytics platform and the full self-driving operations can do for you. Yeah. Now, the other scenario is that you already own vROPS and you're a vSAN customer, in which case you hook the two together and you get your overview insights in vCenter, as well as your details and other KPIs and metrics in vROPS. And drill down capabilities. Yeah, drill down capabilities. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is kind of special with the vSAN uh, announcement and the vSphere vCenter announcement that went out this week. Uh, if you have the latest versions of those, um, this is, if you don't currently own vROPS, here's your opportunity to try it for 60 days. You just glided by this, but you said... Uh you still, even if you don't buy it, you still get access to those six reports. You still, as a vSAN customer. As a vSAN customer. As a vSAN customer, right? So okay. that, that overview, six overview dashboards inside vCenter, um, vSAN advanced or higher key will unlock those uh, those dashboards Got and it. give you a 60-day eval of full Of the full thing. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And in those 60 days, you can choose to buy it and then continue using it. Sure. Okay. 
Makes sense. All right, moving on. I'm just marching through your blog here because I love this blog, and everybody should go to blogs.vmr.com slash management 2018-04. Under the hood, what's new in self-driving operations with vRealize Operations Manager 6.7.html. Another one of these long blog URLs, right? Uh, amazing. Quick Start. Do we want to talk a little bit about Quick Start? Yeah, right. So we we continue to enhance our user experience with this product, and we started down this journey. What was it, Chima? Like three yeah. releases ago? Several yeah, releases yeah ago. several yeah, releases four, ago. And uh, in this release, we, um, in addition to 27 out of the box dashboards and 47 out of the box reports, we also created a quick start dashboard. And that quick start dashboard basically lays out the three, uh, sorry, the four use cases for VRealize operations, a very consumable workflow kind of a manner, starting with optimized performance, optimized capacity, troubleshooting, and managing your vSphere configuration and security um, requirements. Yeah, it makes it very easy for a new user, a novice user, to come in and consume what VRops can do for you. But even for more experienced users, it's, it's the one place to go to easily then navigate to the part of the product that is going to address the, the mm-hmm. issue that you're looking at right now. Yeah. And you know what I like about the Quick Start dashboard is like you come in there and you get all of your information like upfront. So you see which data centers require optimization. You see how much cost savings can potentially be had in your environment, which are your top alerts. And uh, if you scroll towards the bottom of it, it even shows you the most widely used management packs that you have. It has a link to vSphere optimization assessment. It has a link to our new product guide, which is sort of like like a product tour that we've built. Mm -hmm. So this sort of, um, yeah, this is your uh, launch pad for whatever you want to do with the product. Wow, that's really exciting. Great. Great. Okay, we are we are coming up to the end, but we still have 13 more minutes. So we know we have to start, you know, figuring out how to how to get the last bits out. So we'll ask everybody <laughs> in chat. This is where you get a chance to to really put these guys to the task. Um, I'm looking at the blog article, and I love this. You know, we talked about you know the uh, the the costing and, and analysis that this gives you, but we have this nice screenshot of. Uh, multi-cloud pricing, right, mm-hmm. where you can look at the price of operations on your your your, your current data center yeah. cloud versus the AWS cloud. Uh, do you guys actually do VROPs across cloud platforms and then be able to give you that analysis so you can say, hey, look, this is, and in building in my intent, can I go, hey, look, the community stuff, if it's over $5 per, you know, X <laughs> amount of day, don't do it because I don't have that kind of budget to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, do we do cross uh, cloud analysis on this stuff? So uh, let's take a step back, right? Because I, mean, I look at just, screenshots and, you know, yeah, you can Photoshop yeah, yeah, anything yeah. these days. So no, you've got to no, be careful, is, uh, right? Yeah, yeah okay. this is in the product, right? It's so okay. uh, there's a couple of ways to look at it. First of all, there's uh, monitoring and visibility piece of going across cloud. And we, right. we have a number of management packs. We've had an AWS management pack for some time where if you install that management pack, it's free, by the way. Um, you can actually get that visibility across uh, AWS. Uh, VMware Cloud on AWS. To us, it's just like another vCenter, so we definitely give that unified monitoring and visibility across VMware Cloud. It's another vCenter. Yeah, yep. exactly. Okay. Same yeah, APIs. Yeah, yeah. But the costing piece that you're referring to is actually very interesting. It is part of our what-if analysis, right? So this uh, new capacity analytics engine um, can do best fit analysis on where your new workload should go. Mm-hmm. So if I come in and I say, hey, you know what, I want to put in 20 more VMs, uh, where should I put them? Uh, and based on some of the parameters that I set very quickly, it will come back and say, you know what, these 20 VMs will fit on this cluster X over there. Um, this is what it will do to your time remaining. This is how, how much it would cost you per month if you were to deploy it on that cluster X. And then, by the way, if you were to take those same 20 VMs and deploy them on VMware Cloud on AWS or on AWS native public cloud, those would be your relative costs across these other two environments. So that's the what if kind that's of uh, best fit analysis okay. it does. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the screenshot you see over there. But uh, yeah, we've had uh, these management packs for some time to do monitoring and visibility across multiple clouds. I also like that, um, you know, this is John. I also like that with the idea being if somebody comes to me and says, I need this much infrastructure tomorrow, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. My only option usually in that case right. is public yeah, cloud. Public right. cloud. Right. right. So yeah. I can Here's go what's back. going to cost you temporarily. Exactly. While you yeah. go out and provision your on-prem stuff, at right. least you can temporarily burst out to. Uh, to so then I can go to the line of business owners and say, if you can extend me your lead times for infrastructure requirements to 30 days or whatever mm-hmm. my purchase cycle is, I can save you as a business $40,000 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that number is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes they don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's fine. They don't care as long as they're paying the bill, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cost may not be the only consideration, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Time to market. SLA, time to market, right. a big, whole bunch of other things. But it's certainly one of the things that uh, we put at your fingertips. Yeah, just, just giving IT the uh, agility to be able to just respond quickly. You dump it in AWS, then you can come back with metrics and then say, by the way, we can just be motion this stuff back into prem and then this is your new cost basis, right? Yeah. Yeah, just, just really powerful. Management configuration and compliance. You know, there's uh, some of that we get with vRealize operations as well, right? Uh, I'm going to talk about just, just a the, moment about that. The continually uh, march to replace uh, compliance engines, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's, right now it's mostly focusing on the vSphere hardening guidelines. Hardening guidelines, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. And um, right. we, we do have some compliance templates for vSphere itself. We have PCI and HIPAA. Do we have others, Shiman? Um, PCI, oh. HIPAA are the main ones. Okay. Um, Isn't DISA available too? I can't seem to remember. I don't recall DISA. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got uh, a number that are in the backlog. Mm -hmm. All right. Other things then in our last now seven minutes of the show. Uh, what are you going to be doing in 2018? Do we got VMworld coming up? Hands-on labs? What's the the fun stuff you guys get to work on now? Well, so... One of the things that we didn't uh, quite talk about here uh, so far is... um, as part of the intent, one one of the things that we introduced in this version of vRealize Ops is this notion of being able to move things around while honoring some placement constraints. So sometimes users will say, look, I would like you to move things around for me to balance out my resources, but just be aware that this cluster is reserved, reserved for Oracle mm-hmm. or that cluster is reserved for my gold uh, tier uh, workloads or something like that. So when you're moving things around, only move the gold stuff there or there, you know, mm-hmm. the designated uh, clusters. So we've introduced that into this version of VROSOS via uh, vCenter tags. So the user tags the VMs, they tag the cluster, and the VMs will then be restricted to that move. So you can do OS separation, SLA separation, uh, licensing kind of stuff in that way. Now we ex- uh, intend to extend that capability going forward, not just to cluster boundaries, but also down to the host boundary. So this subset of hosts within this cluster are mm. designated for you know gold tier or whatever it is and we'll then analyze the, and allow DRS to then maintain that uh, separation within the cluster but then for cross cluster opportunities this set of hosts that are reserved for gold here and that set of hosts that are reserved for gold there we will do uh, capacity analytics and matching between there and balance out across clusters or maybe consolidate for uh, cost uh, mm-hmm. efficiencies, whatever uh-huh. the user chooses to do. But that's uh, where we're going going forward, yeah. in addition to continuous optimization and right. enhancements. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the two things that I'm most excited about is, first of all, you know, in this release, we've enhanced our vSAN management, right? Now we have dashboards within vCenter that a user, a vSAN user can actually look at. We've made the licensing really easy for a vSAN user. We'll, we'll continue focusing more on our vSAN support for this automated workload balancing and performance optimization. So we're going to extend that to also uh, vSAN clusters. And the other thing that I'm really excited about is uh, in this release, we introduced our integration with uh, Wavefront. And uh, nice. Wavefront, yeah, yeah right. Ooh. That is that is a wow factor, right? I mean, yeah. like, yeah. So Wavefront, this um, for those who don't know, was a recent acquisition by VMware. It's uh, it's a real time um, pl- uh, analytics platform that a lot of DevOps teams love for application instrumentation. And uh, we've introduced our initial integration with VROPS, and um, that's the part that we'll continue working on further. Uh, but I I'm really uh, I'm really jazzed about what Wavefront can do it's like yeah. mind-blowing if i had excess amount of time where i just could just if i had 
10 more hours per week, I would just spend it on a wavefront doing instrumentation of all kinds of things, right? Because just the visualizations and getting yeah, that data yeah, in and then yeah, you know, seeing yeah. what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, is, I mean, is I, really nice. I have, um, if you have a Nest device at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like within yeah. half an Nest, hour, you're going to completely set it up. I got it beehives oh, with cool. weight monitors yeah. and all kinds of sensors. So yeah. then I got machines that run. I got yeah. my own rack in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got machines there. Yeah. So I could I instrument yeah. a lot of stuff. I was talking to a customer, um, I'm not going to name names, but they actually have sensors where they figure out which trains go on what tracks based on that those sensors like that's just the applications are just mind-blowing mm. for wavefront yeah that but is that, just fun but that also brings in this notion of we'll also continue to enhance our integrations across our, our park line so via ops and log insight via ops and, and uh, cost insight more information via ops and uh, vra uh, all these uh, cross integrations are yeah. things where we'll, well actually you know talking about realize automation right even in this release we have um, integration with realize automation so where realize automation can take the intent and the analytics from realize operations and use that to do optimal initial placement mm. but where we want to get to is this like closed loop between continuous. operations and automation on a continuous workload placement basis now uh, that would be super, super cool. When are we going to see V realize operations management take over as the main way you interface, as opposed to just V center? Right? Like, mm. is, it coming? It is it coming? Is it coming? One of these days. Well, this V center plugin, you know. Right. Yeah, world right. domination. Right. 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 But I, I can see. I can see where it it becomes the way you manage. As soon as you get over 100 VMs and a couple of vCenters, you, you just need yeah. to have this yeah. data and you yeah. need to operate this way. Yeah, yeah you yeah. need a right. solution, right? Yeah, right. totally. Yeah. And, you, you know, the plugin is the is the step in that direction where you're getting some of those analytics into vCenter. Did I miss anything new on Log Insight uh, integration? Has that is that pretty much steady state right now? It's getting with every new release. We make uh, some enhancements, make it easier for the user to just click the button and just to have the uh, integration work. Law, uh, you know, so you can have it set up right now. You you click the integration button, and the uh, audit logs from VROps go automatic to your to Log Insight, and the you know the the connections that are required there happen. Uh, Alerts that you set up in Log Insight can come back into VROps, for example, to show up in the uh, alert screen uh, there. So all that is um, is is there today, but we'll continue. Much as you see what's happening with VRB and the cost information being subsumed into what VROps is offering out of the box, uh, we'll start to see more and more of that uh, as well. In addition to uh, our integration with not just Log Insight, but uh, Log Intelligence, which is our Log Analytics SaaS offering. Mm, okay. Yep. That's really cool. The- I uh, I had a customer just ask me about. Uh, um, uh, resource uh, reservations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hey, I have this project. What if I set it up as what if? And you know, and then I go, yeah, I want to commit that. But then somebody comes in and deploys resources, you know, to my uh, to to those resources that I, I really had conceptually, you know, uh, reserved for this project. So that resource reservation, that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Now I have to remember which customer asked me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, you're going to be at VMworld. I assume you're going to have some sessions there. I assume there's updates on the hands-on labs that will be coming so uh-huh. that uh, yeah, you, can, you, know, uh, you can engage with all this. Oh, yeah. You have the blog article out there that's nice. So you have a, the CMP, the Management BU blog that uh, yeah. keeps everybody up to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6.7's out. There's just all kinds of stuff that everybody's going to be consuming, and it's available now, right? Yeah. So you can begin that process of upgrading and engaging. Yeah. That product guide that you mentioned, is that available as a PDF to, to look at independently, or is that only so, inside the product? No, no, no. So it's actually yeah. both, right? It's through the product, and if you go to our uh, We Realize Operations webpage, um, it, there's a link to the product guide right, right up uh, at the top. I think the right-hand side tile is the link to the product guide, and that's pretty much your guided tour. You can go in there. You can see what's new, what's changed. There's a number of videos on how-tos and uh, uh, tricks and tips and those kind of things. Mm All right. All right. Well, Chima uh, and Jaka. Yeah, good job. uh, I got it this time. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for being on the show. You are no longer and I've ever been on the VMware Communities podcast. Uh, So thanks for taking your time. Uh, Taruna, Gandhi, thanks a lot again as well. And uh, we'll hopefully get you back on sometime in a, in the next seven or eight months and see how, how your VMworld experience went and what's what's coming coming next. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, that's it for, for, for the show today, John. Uh, it looks like we're going to go get some uh, barbecue. I hear they got 
a big barbecue out there. Now we're going to put the Texas people to shame. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, you guys can be jealous of us this time because yeah, John's our barbecue rolled back is be better than your barbecue. barbecue. Right? So we're going to start this show with a Bay Area report, and we're going to end yeah. it with uh, our barbecue has got to be better than yours. <laughs> Until then, guys, I hope you're hungry, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot. We're going to hit the big red end button now.